Good morning, City Life. A uh, happy new year to all of our City Lifers, to visitors that might be here. Happy new year. I wish that we could be together, but uh, for this week, we can't, uh, or we've chosen not to. And so, happy new year. Uh, we love you all. I'm so grateful for another year. So grateful for 2021 to be over, and we're still here. Now, if the only thing you can say this year, which I don't think any of us can say, only say this, but if the only thing you can say is that you made it and God has been with you, then that's already an eternity's worth of things to say thank you for. And so, uh, Lord, thank you for seeing us through another year. Um, actually, this week, I just remembered, I was just thinking about this. It's two years that I'm leading this church, and so, God, like, incredible, you just are incredible and so uh happy new year today we want to just jump right on in because i all the times i've practiced this i've gone over it way too long and so like we just got to get into the word today today we're going to look at this incredible story of god acting in the midst of some like really foundational sins that we all of humanity carries and so like let's get in it we're going to start by talking about a TED Talk that I heard a few years ago. Uh, a few years ago, in 2013 to be exact, uh, I heard this TED Talk about how this man, his name is uh, David Epstein, and he looked at like human progress through sports. Like, are we really improving as much as like the, the records are? Like, how much of it is natural, like our bodies, and we're just understanding how much of it is human progress and how much of it is just technology. It's like really, really interesting. And in his TED Talk, he looks at a few stories, but one of them is this man named Eddie Merckx. Eddie Merckx, in 1972, said, you know what, I am going to get on my bike and I'm going to see, I'm going to set the world record for the amount of distance covered in one hour. So he gets on his bike and he rides his bike for one hour and he rides 30 miles, 3,774 feet. I'll say it again. In one hour, Eddie Merckx, in 1972, rides 30 miles, 3,774 feet. To me, I mean, it's a world record, right? So it has to be impressive, but to me, that sounds pretty impressive. Uh, and then over the years, the, the benchmark was set, right? And it became one of these things that, like, the four-minute mile, one of these records is, like, really coveted and really hard to get. Uh, but then over the years, it kept, like, all of a sudden it was broken and broken and broken up until the year 1996 when somebody broke the record and set the new record as 35 miles 1,531 feet again it's 35 miles 1,531 feet in 25 years this record was almost five mile improved by almost five miles like that, that that was crazy as at the time like the governing body was like so concerned over this like wow like no like humanity we're not improving that much like we're actually not changing we're not involving into some new species of human here right so like what's the problem and so in the year 2000 they said okay they wiped down the record books and they're like okay the person who wants to hold this record needs to do it in the same equipment that Eddie Merckx used in, 1992, in 1972. You want this record? You use the same equipment that Eddie Merckx used, and then that record is yours. 
Like they, they were trying to see how much of the record was oh, human progress and how much of it was technology. And so as of the time of this TED Talk, so in 2013, I could not see if this has been updated since, but at the time of this TED Talk, the world record for a bike distance traveled in one hour was only 30 miles, 4,657 feet. I'll say that one more time, 30 miles, 4,657 feet. So instead of an almost five mile gap between Eddie Merckx and the current holder, like the distance when technology was the same, when the same level was established, was only 883 feet. Like there was only an 883 foot difference between Eddie Merckx in 1972 and then the world record at the time of this recording in 2013. I, I bring up this story, I, I feel like this is such a fitting story because today we're going to be preaching again uh, at, with the Tower of Babel. We're going to be preaching about how like, humanity deceives itself. Of, like, of this false narrative that is in New York City for sure, that is just in the day of the age, of our age, that is like in the spirit of human progress, of like, well, that humanity is marching towards this like utopia that like humanity is getting better and fairer and more just and like looking at it through a biblical worldview and be like, actually, we are quite unchanged. It's like, actually, we are exactly the same as we were during the Tower of Babel. Like, actually, you know what? The biblical view of humanity is that we still on a daily basis do the same sin patterns as the Tower of Babel. We just don't know it. And so today, our first sermon of the year, I just like, I feel caused for us to look at within at like some like a very foundational part of what it means to be human and how we deceive ourselves so that this whole year we pick up the question that I asked last week to end 2021. It's like, are we on God's side? Well, then like, let's first look within. Like, let's first look at how we view ourselves to see if we really are on God's side or if we are trying to make him on our side or if we are, as more applicable for today, trying to get him out of the equation altogether. And so, to do that, I want to pray. And then we're going to read Genesis 11, the first nine verses. I'm going to pray so that we do this together today on a day that we are all remote, that we are all online. Like, I want to pray for like, the Holy Spirit to unify us as a people, to hear His Word and then do something with His Word that is valuable and biblically based. And so, uh, pray with me. Lord, I thank You for this day. And I thank You... Um, Lord, I thank you that the biblical worldview is not that we're just that you just hate us and that we're miserable and that we're the worst, that we're unredeemable, but Lord, uh, that you say that we're loved, deeply loved by you. And then that gives us all of our value, that gives us all of our worth, Lord, that you, an eternal king, loves us, makes us lovely. Like, Lord, help us today to look at some very foundational parts of what it really means to be human, and the sin that is born in every single one of us. Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, I invite you into the preaching of your word, the hearing of your word, the unifying of your body, so that we can um, do something with the word that you've given us. Um, 
you're welcome to be here. We don't, we can't be here if you're not, have not joined us. And so, Holy Spirit, please be uh, in every part of this morning. Uh, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. So today, like I said, Genesis chapter 11. Uh, by the way, like, I'm really nervous for today's word because it has been on my heart for uh, about seven years. Like, this is a word that I've dreamt. This is a bucket list sermon because this, I think this word is so valuable for us, especially as Jersey Cityans, especially as people living in the New York City area in 2022. And so this is the word of the Lord. It says this, Genesis chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and there confuse their, their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from, the, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. That's the word of the Lord. Today, we need to start by talking about the mighty brick. Let's break down the, for the setting of the story. The first four verses really set the whole scene of what we need to know here. Like, this is Genesis 11, only two, really two chapters after the flood ended, right? In Genesis chapter 9, God blesses Noah to go and spread. Chapter 9, verse 1 of Genesis says, uh, God blesses Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth, right? So the scene that we're walking into is that like God told them, he blessed them, he said, go have kids and also spread out. Use the whole land, explore the whole earth, like let's go after this together. All of this is yours, let's spread out, which plays a role here. But then we get to Genesis 11, we don't know how much time has gone, we don't even necessarily know if this is supposed to be literal, but time has passed and God is telling his story. And it says here that the whole earth had one language. A couple verses later it says that they were one people, right? So everyone was the same and they had the same words, which contrasts with Jesus later in the New Testament. But we'll get there later. They had this one word, they had this one language, they saw everything eye to eye, right? There was just really no a sense of what we struggle with, like even just to understand one another. But they were all the same. They were all this like one people. It was kind of like this picture of a, a semi-utopia happening here. And then as they migrated east, they found the land of Shinar and settled there. Like, okay, really, we start to see hints of part of the problem here. Like God tells everyone to go, like disperse, like travel, right? And then they like find this place and they're like, wow, this is everything that we need. And so let's just stay here. But in and of itself, that's not the worst thing, right? Not everyone wasn't supposed to be living in a tent and going all the time. 
But then chapter 3, uh, verse 3 says, and they like start to talk to one another. And they say, okay, like, wow, we have this brick. Which is, okay, uh, as I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, I need to give out some warnings to all of our tech people here who work in technology, who like do things that like the rest of us can't fathom, who are like program this and like who do some of people at our church in the past have done like top secret work that they couldn't even talk about. Like to all of you super smart people, like don't laugh at the Babylonians here, at the people in Babel for their brick, okay? They were very proud of the brick. I was also thinking of like, oh, okay, all you like highly educated people in finance in that church, like don't laugh at the brick, okay? Don't like look down on the brick because this was the highest like human technology at the time. Like the brick changed everything. And I'm also like, I was thinking, okay, actuaries, you are all very smart, okay? Don't chuckle at the brick. Uh, don't like make fun of them because this is like the epitome of the human achievement at that time. They're like, oh my goodness, we have this brick. And so let's build, right? Like the, the brick they thought was this thing that was like revolutionized everything. Like now we'll be able to achieve everything that we want. And out of the brick, you know, which like represents their technology, like the human achievement, like the human progress, like wow, like so many times in history there have been things that man has said, this is going to be it. This is going to be the thing that replaces God. Like this set, this achievement right here is going to eliminate the need of God. And like, wow, we did it. We built this for ourselves. And the brick here serves this in their story. They're like, wow, we have this brick and now we can do whatever we want. And this, they have four statements here. Verse four sets up this thing. Four statements here that communicate way more than the words found on this page. They say this. First statement, come. Let us build for ourselves a city. Well, it's like, okay, let's settle here. Let's put down our flag here. Let's build this city. Let's build it for ourselves. Statement one. Statement two. And in this city, we're going to put a tower in it. And it's going to reach the heavens. It's going to be so high. It's going to like show the rest of the world. It's going to show everyone else like what we can accomplish. And you know, it's not only going to speak to people, it's going to speak to God himself. It's going to touch the heavens. We're replacing him. We don't need him. We're not going to rely on him. We're going to be our own heavenly beings. I'm like, okay. We're starting to get at some like really deep sin here. And then after that, he says, statement number three, and let us make a name for ourselves. Perhaps the most telling of four statements. Let's make a name for ourselves. Like, let's put our name on this tower right here. Let's tell God, let's tell the world, we don't need you. We don't need anyone else. This is what we built. This was us. Like, well, like humanity has reached this point. Like, Lord, we don't need you anymore. Now it's about my name, not yours, Yahweh. Like, I don't need to know your name, Yahweh. I only need to know my own. And then, like, the fourth statement here is so curious. Like, this is like... When you catch a kid doing something they know they're not supposed to do and they rat on themselves. This is, they say here, fourth statement, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. It's like, why are you, why are you worried about that? I think they're only worried about that because they knew that they were supposed to be spreading. Like that only become, you like, who here would ever be afraid of being like teleported to another part of the world? Like, really? It's only when we've been told do something or that might happen. 
It was like, oh, it's like a kid who knows that they're in trouble is trying to get in front of it. And so the scene is set. These four statements here is like, God, like, we're going to replace you. Our technology, what we can do, what we can accomplish now, like, we don't need God anymore. And really these point, these four statements point to do two deep, fundamentally human sin. One that like all of us carry to this day, that, you, that like believers struggle with it all the time. It is baked so deep into the human fabric. The first one being that we like crave to praise ourselves. Right? They said, let's build ourselves a city, statement number one, and it goes with statement number three, so that we can make a name for ourselves. Like, let's build this city for us, and it's going to be our domain, and it's going to be in our name. We don't need God anymore. Like, we don't need, in, the, in a monotheistic world here, it's like, we don't need any God. It's all about us. And then statements two and four also correspond with one another. Like, we're going to build this tower and it's going to go up to the heavens we're going to replace god and like he won't be able to disperse us because the human sin here is because we create our own security like we self-actualize we get to decide what goes on what we do the things that we're about who we are like we don't need to rely on god for security or identity that's self-determined now like god like you stay away because this belongs to us it doesn't belong to you and I just reflect, like, uh, we cannot move forward. We're pressed on time, but we can't move forward without reflecting, like, this human relationship with the things that we create, with our technology and how humanity has always tried to place ourselves in this place where we're like, we don't need God anymore. Like, God, we've replaced you. Like, God, like, I find my truth and my value in other places, not from you. It's the place that I want all of this to come from. Like, I've thought a lot this week about this show, Breaking Bad, when Heisenberg is like in full-on evil mode. He's like, say my name. And like, really, the Tower of Babel is like Breaking Bad. It's like, Lord, like, it's, it's about my name. I'm building my brand, my name here. It's not about you. you. It's about me. It's about elevating my name and creating my own security. And I just reflect on the nature of even our city, on the nature of the place that we call home. You know, Jersey City, right outside of New York City. New York City being the place where if you come here and make it here, you can make it anywhere. Like if you build a name for yourself in Jersey City, if you give Jer- uh, in New York City, if you give New York City like two to five years in your career, you'll be able to go anywhere you want. You'll be able to have your own job. Like you'll be a manager somewhere else right off the bat. Just come here, be a consultant for a few years and then leave and you can like live wherever you want. You can get any job that you want. You can build up your bank account here. You can like establish your name so that you can go somewhere else. Right? That's the normal, like, we're lucky to have two years with people here in our church. Like, people leave in two, about two years. That is the half-life here at City Life. I was just like, let's just think about this. Like, let's just think about this, our human, like, pursuit to elevate our own names, to put our names on the buildings in those skyscrapers. I look at that skyscraper every day, and I'm like, wow, like, Lord... That is so beautiful. Like, Lord, look how smart we are. Look at how much we've accomplished. Like, look at what humanity can do. And even I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I do this. I'm guilty of this all the time. I'm guilty of wanting my own name. I'm guilty of like, Lord, I need to protect myself. 
is like so foundational to the human condition. And so let us, before we move on, acknowledge like that we're no different from the people of Babel. That we are still in the same place. Just like the story of the bicycle before. Like we're not five miles further from Eddie Merck. We're actually only like 800 and something feet away. Nothing. Like we're still exactly where we're at because our nature is flawed. Like our nature is broken. And only God can fill those areas that we need filled. Now, like in my time of leading our church, like I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations of people who are like, I need generational wealth to feel safe. Like I need that security. I need to create this. Like I need my job to work. I need that promotion. And I don't feel like I don't feel comfortable without it. Like I think of people that I've had relationships in the past. Was like they can't leave their house without a gun on their side. And I'm like, like, do you really think that's going to keep you safe all the time? Do you really think that that's the answer to your safety? Or is there something inside of you that you need to work out? Like, do you really need that bank account like where you hoard everything that you get and you can't live generously because you can't feel comfortable without X amount of money or without X job title or without like, I need to have the three kids that I thought I would always have. Like, I need to have this that I thought I needed to have this picket, white, the white picket fence. Like, I thought I need all of this. Like, I'm trying to create my own name and my own security. Let's just reflect on where our own hearts are with all of that. And then let's also see what God does, like what he starts to do. First, God's sense of humor comes out when we talk about the big step down. I need this to be really quick because we're like behind the clock here already. But, you know, God created humor, so he has a perfect sense of humor. And so, like, God tells this story so well. Like, if you don't read this and see that, like, God is slightly mocking us in the telling of his story, then, like, let's concentrate on that for even just a moment. Verse 5 talks about God's big step down. It says, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. (laughs) Guys, God is a bad man sometimes. He's, like, is really funny often in his story. He's like, okay, wow, uh, the brick has changed everything, right? Like, you guys are saying that you don't need me anymore, right? Like, you guys are saying that your accomplishments are so, you're like, you're, you're beyond God, right? You're post-God right now, a post-God humanity. And so let me come down to see this. And the joke is, like, that God is sitting in heaven, and he's, like, looking around. He's like, I heard about this city, and I can't see it from heaven. Like, I can't see it beyond all of what you know. I can't see it beyond all space, beyond all matter, beyond the universe. Like, I can't see it in my spiritual realm. Like, I can't see it. I have to come down to go see it for you. And so then God arrives and he's like, wow, okay, that's pretty nice. That's that's a cool building. Like, that's pretty cute, right? The children of man. Well, we can't even talk about the implications of him calling uh, them the children of man here at this point. But it's like, well, okay, this is pretty nice. I had to come down from heaven just to see this. Uh, But then he starts to move. He starts to move, and then we see how God like, confuses us, but how ultimately he brings us back to unity. And so let's talk about unity restored. Verse 6 to 9, the last, chap- the last verses here, really like, outline what God does. How God never allows us to feed our own idolatry. Of like, how God causes things to happen that confuse us because he will not let idolatry win out. 
Verse 6, it starts, And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, like we said before. They're one people. And they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they can do. Like, see, God doesn't have a low view of humanity. He created us. He loves us. He put His image in us. He knows what we are capable of doing. He knows that He made us to be intelligent and smart and ambitious and driven. Like, He put that in us. It's not us who create all that. He put all of this in us. He's like, this is only the beginning of what they can do, which, like, we laugh today because my home is surrounded by brick right now, and there are much more impressive things around me uh, right now than just the brick. He's like, "We, we can do incredible things. And so verse 7, come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there and then he dispersed them, he confuses their language and so that we can't like understand one another. And I was like, I, at first, like if we're just casually reading this, if we set aside like what God, like the sins that God is confronting right here, like God, why would you do this? Like okay, I, I understand the sin here, but like, why couldn't you just teach them? Like, why couldn't you just do something, change their minds somehow, which like would infringe on our free will? Like, God, why, why couldn't you, like, this seems like mostly a good thing. Why couldn't you just save it or redeem this? Like, why couldn't you just put this city and like taught them to name it after Jesus or after himself? I was like, like God, why would you do this? Why would you create all this confusion just to teach us this lesson? I think one of the things that we take away from this is that this sin is so ingrained in, in, like, in our fabric. It is so human to want to praise ourselves. It is so human to want to like build our own security that this was the only way. Like confusion in the world so that we couldn't see these things like was the only way that we would start to learn to ask the question, not can we do this, but should we do this? Like, is this wise? Is this ethical? Is this moral? Is this just? We, we rarely ever ask those questions. And when we do, it's like never thoroughly enough. It's like God, he's, he's like, you know what? I'll, I'll never feed your idolatry. I'll never feed you filling the holes that should be covered by me by other things. Like, I'll never let you dumb me down or speak less of me. Like, I'm always going to be this universal God that is beyond all of this. And his plan was so large, and it was, like, so beyond any of us. He's like, you know what, I'll also do this, you know why? Because I won't leave you here forever. So we need to talk about this unity restored because God, like, God, from the moment he did it, from before, like, from before the foundations of the earth was set, Ephesians tells us God knew the plan that he would do. And so he's like, knew this won't be forever. He had a plan to bring us back together, to get rid of all of this confusion. And we see it in Acts chapter 2. Right? By now, Acts is the first book outside of the Gospels in the New Testament. So by this point in God's story, Jesus came the light of the world, the savior of mankind, and not just mankind, but all of creation came and he lived and he lived this perfect life and he was holy and spotless. And everywhere that he went, like he exuded, he showed his spiritual power. He showed that he, like nothing naturally could hold him down. Nothing spiritually can hold him down. Nothing in humanity could hold him down. But every time we tried to trap him, he like, he was too big for our traps. He was too wonderful. He was too smart for all the snares that we set for him. And then he died. 
He let us kill him. He died on the cross for you and for me, for everyone who would just conf- who would confess his name and repent. And he didn't stay dead, right? God raised him from the dead. And he's like, okay, I'm the Christ. I am the Messiah. All things work through me. And he's like, but I need to go. I need to go to give you something better. I need to leave so that my spirit can come. And then in Acts, we see the disciples waiting. We see them waiting for the spirit to come. And it's like, okay, like Pedro, we get that. We know this story, but what does that have to do with this? What does that have to do with this confusion that God left us? What does this have to do with like how I don't know Mandarin? Like I don't know, um, I was going to say Spanish, but I kind of know Spanish. I don't know, oh gosh, I, I'm blanking, Russian, Danish, German. Oh, is Danish a word? I don't know. Oh gosh. Okay, I'm, I'm digging myself in a hole here. Like I don't know all this, like, but like, Lord, how did you bring us back together? Well, then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, and the disciples receive him. Chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 4, it says, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they being the disciples, and, they, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. It's like, oh, when the Holy Spirit comes, like when Jesus does what his plan and is resurrected and sends us the Spirit, like these tongues get unlocked. And then they like start to speak in them, and then it says, in verse 5, now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Like every nation was represented in Jerusalem here at the moment. In verse 6, at the sound of the multitude came together. When they heard this, people gathered around them and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galilean? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? How is this confusion gone? How are the disciples speaking to everyone present here? Verse 12 even says, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this really, what does this mean? Like, what does this mean? And this is what it means. You now, what God started in Babel was his judgment on humanity because he knew, like, this sin runs deep in our fabric, that we will always choose to elevate ourselves and always build our own security. And he knew that that was no life for his children. He calls them the children of man in the story of Babel, right? Not the children of God. That only comes in the New Testament. But like, he, like gosh, he knew it runs so deep that he confused us. But then in the person of Jesus, that confusion was wiped away. The confusion was gone. Like in the person of Jesus, the gospel opens up every language, every nation, every people group. John in the New Testament, in Revelations, sees the end and he sees people from every tribe and every tongue are there praising the Lamb. (laughs) The only thing that is purely, truly translatable for all people in all contexts and all time is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so church, like today, I want to start this year off realizing as a church like uh, that our own bent is always to praise one another and praise ourselves, to even praise our like race, or this human, this one human race. We're quite incredible. We don't need God anymore. And it's to create our own security. 
it's like to create these worlds and these divisions for ourselves even to be like okay like this is going to keep me safe you stay away from me we do this all the time but in 2022 to like live a gospel-centered life for us to be people who are like okay we need to start this year saying like god not my name but yours like god not security in my own way but in yours like lord i have so many plans for my life and i have so many good plans but i don't know if they're your plans like lord like i just want to receive your plan i want on this first sunday of the year like lord take me by the hand take this church by the hand and say like lord have your way in our lives let alone left alone i will only praise myself i will only praise my tribe and i will only like want security the way i want it but lord i I throw that at your feet and i say have your way and so church to do this we are going to jump on a zoom call now and we're going to spend a little bit of time together and we are going to take communion together and say like lord i want 2022 to be different in that i want your plan to be in my life i want you to be working all of this out like lord i don't want to pursue what i want anymore i'm done with that it's never even worked in the first place but lord i want to go after you and what you have for me in this year and so city life happy new year we love you we have big plans for this year and we're like like we preach we're chasing after god this year if he changes all of these plans we're going to follow him wherever he goes but we love you so much happy new year join us on the zoom call if you're new if you're visiting and you haven't been with us yet and you're scared to jump on the zoom call join anyway i know it's a bit intimidating but uh we're gonna take communion we're just gonna talk for a little bit in smaller groups and so we love you all happy new year we'll see you on the zoom call and uh talk to you soon bye